0: Amen, everybody. Well, let's, if we're going to do a celebration, we might as well do it unto the Lord, right? Because he's really the only one worth celebrating, right? Let's lift up a praise to him. Father, thank you so much for all that you do. God, you are so kind and so generous toward us. You have a plan for each and every one of us, God, and we're so thankful that you make our life worth living. That there's really a meaning to all of this and that you have a purpose for every person here. And God, you have and end goal in mind, and we're so thankful, Jesus, for the love that you show toward us. Thank you, God. We praise you today, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's while you're standing, let's go ahead and, and go to our opening text real quick. All of my texts today are going to be New King James Version. But we're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I might get a little choked up today because this is uh, something we've been talking about in spirit life class, but but this is really what God has been dealing with me about, and and I feel led to just share it with you today, so uh, I might be fighting through some tears this morning. But Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What great love, what a statement of love from our creator. Before we ever came into existence, before we were ever a thought to our parents, God knew everything about you. He knew what color hair you were gonna have. He knew what color eyes you were gonna have. He knew what your personality was going to be like, but most importantly, he knew the plan that he had for you. He knew you inside and out. And not only that, but he formed you, created you. Everything about you has the fingerprints of God on you. From inside out, from the most minute part of our body, from ourselves and greater, the fingerprints of God are on you because he formed you formed you what a statement of love thank you jesus lord just speak today tell us exactly what you want to say god let let no flesh glory in your presence today we give all glory unto you because you're worthy of it and we give you glory and honor in jesus name amen amen you can be seated you can be seated Well, we're still in a, in a sermon series called Notes to Self, just important principles from the Bible to remind ourselves of, things that, that the Lord wants to remind us of, and today I have a note to self. God has a plan for you, and God has a plan for me. God has a plan. The, it, it, that is something that we, ha- we have to remind ourselves over and over again, that there is a purpose behind life. There is a plan. We, we serve uh, the author and finisher, right? We serve the one who created everything from nothing, and he's got a plan. Sister Calhoun brought up the fact this morning in Spirit Life that when God spoke at the very beginning, if you read uh, you know, the, the creation account, we know that there was nothing in the beginning God was there, and that's it. just God he is the what uh we would call like the self-existent one he's the one who maintains himself he doesn't need any outside power any outside authority to to cause him to live he is literally he is he exists. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Colossians and it says uh, it's essentially talking about the creation and it's It's explaining how God is the one who created everything. And and the scripture ultimately says, before there was anything, he was. And by him, all things consist, or everything is held together. Okay, so it's important to understand uh, this principle that God is the creator. God is the creator. He's the author. The reason why I say that is because there's a question that shows up in every single one of our our lives that we ask ourselves. You don't have to raise your hand because I guarantee you everybody has asked this question before. What is my purpose? What am I alive for? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? These are uh, profound questions to the human mind. They're they're questions that every human asks themselves. What is my purpose? Today, hopefully, with the help of the Lord, we're going to answer that question. Because the pursuit of purpose is a core driver in all of humanity. Humans look for purpose in everything that we do. A lot of times, humans base uh, their purpose or they try and find meaning or purpose in goals that they set for themselves or goals that we set for ourselves. We'll just say we because we're all humans. But goals that we set, careers that we have, family that we have, we look for purpose in all of these things. Uh, Possessions is one. We look for purpose or meaning of life. You know, research does show that people who have a strong sense of purpose tend to go farther in life and endure greater hardship than people who feel like there is no purpose or they do not have a purpose. I just want to share a little bit of a a history story. It comes from the World War II era, and then we'll really dive into Scripture, okay? But there was this gentleman, he was a psychologist in Vienna, Austria, in the 1930s and 1940s. His name was Viktor Frankl. If anybody has studied psychology, you've probably seen his name before. But he was a Jewish psychologist in Vienna. He finished grad school or med school, if you will, like in the 1930s, and started his own private practice where he set up clinics to help people with, that were dealing with depression and suicide. That was his, his, what he felt was his purpose in life was to help people find their purpose or at least feel purposeful. That's what he wanted to do. And that was his greatest interest in psychology is the power of purpose on human life. So he would counsel these people who were dealing with depression and and suicide and ultimately found most of the people that dealt with this stuff felt like there was no reason for life. They felt like they did not have a purpose, that there was no plan for their life, that literally everything was hopeless. And as he's counseling these people, World War II happens. Nazi Germany ultimately annexes uh, Austria in, like, the late 30s. I think it was 1938, 39, roughly. And now, all of a sudden, a Jewish psychologist finds himself in concentration camps. (laughs) He, He found himself in literally the most bleak situation a human can be in to have another group of humans say you're not worth anything and ultimately try and extinguish your life. That's pretty bleak, right? So he, he bounced around or he was sent, him and his family, to a couple different concentration camps. He watched his dad die in the first one that they, that they were at. Then they were sent to Auschwitz where he watched his mom get exterminated in front of his eyes. And then his wife ultimately died from the horrid conditions and sickness. Talk about some terrible situations this guy had to live through. Seriously, like it's hard for us to put ourselves in somebody's shoes that has gone through that much pain and heartbreak. And then during like the loss of all these loved ones, he's expected to to slave away, literally slave labor, otherwise you're dead. He always had that creeping feeling of maybe today's the day they're gonna exterminate me. Maybe today's the day I'm gonna watch another friend die, right? Like that's a horrid condition to be in. But as he looked around at all the degradation, all the sickness, all the the pain and loss and heartbreak that was part of these concentration camps, he started to theorize something after talking to a lot of his companions, that it seemed like people who felt like they had a purpose in life were able to endure these hardships. That people who felt like there was a greater meaning for the reason why they're on this earth, not just, you know, to live and die, but there was more to it, that there was a plan that they had to accomplish, that there was something uh, that gave them purpose, and ultimately that purpose was driving these people, and they were able to endure loss and endure hardship. And uh, one quote that he said that I love is those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. If you're living for something, you can bear any circumstance. That's what he's saying. If there is a reason why you're alive in your life, you can make it through most anything. And he oftentimes talks about the power of choice over our attitude, that if we choose, to have purpose or if we choose to put our trust in God, right? Like we're all people of God. Let's, let's, let's like apply this to our walk with God. When we choose to walk with the Lord and find our purpose in him, you can endure anything in life. You can make it through any hardship. You can make it through any loss if God is the purpose. If his plan for you is more important than any circumstance, you can make it through. But God illustrates this too in his word. I love hearing stories about like this psychologist, Victor Frankl, because it, I love how science and psychology and all this study that we do about the world around us and humanity just confirms what the Bible already says, right? That's why I love these stories, because God illustrates this point all throughout the book of Jeremiah. And this is what we've been talking about in spirit life, so this might be a little recap for those of you who were here a couple weeks ago. But the story of Jeremiah, he was a young priest in training. A young man, he was probably around 26 years old, and this is the recap part from Spirit Life, okay? But for those who weren't there, this is gonna be good, okay, I promise. But he was about probably 26 years old at the time God called him. That's where that scripture, Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5 comes in. It's God, that's his first utterance to this young man. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I have a plan for you. That is the very first thing that he establishes with Jeremiah. So, But being a priest, you have to understand the cultural context behind this because we dove into this in spirit life. So understand this. Numbers, the book of Numbers establishes what it takes to be a priest, and one of them was one of the the requirements was an age requirement. You had to be 30 years old. It's one the main reason why we don't see Jesus in operation until he's about 30 because he's fulfilling the role of a priest. But Jeremiah here is 26. So his response to God I'm not old enough. That's what he says in verse 6. Ah, Lord, I can't do this because I am not old enough. God is calling him to something, and in his mind, he had to be at least 30 years old before God used him because he was training to be a priest. That's all he knew. But God speaks to him and says, I have a plan for your life. doesn't matter how young you are. I have a plan for you. And then God shares with him his vision. But look at this truth, is that God had a plan for Jeremiah before he was ever formed in the womb, just like we talked about. God knew everything about him before he even designed Jeremiah. And God continuously reaffirms his plan on Jeremiah's life throughout the book of Jeremiah. If you look, Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 20 through 21, this is God's response to him because, you know, he's he's considered the weeping prophet, right? That's what his nickname is, or that's what we... We nickname him because of the way he responds in Scripture. But he's weeping and pouring himself out to God, and he's talking about how he's been through so much hardship that people have tried to kill him, that his own family has turned their back on him, and this is what God says to him. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you. They will. There's going to be trouble. But they shall not prevail against you. Why? Because God had a plan for Jeremiah but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you uh, from the hand of the wicked, or and deliver you, says the Lord. I'm gonna go to the next one. And will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. God says this to Jeremiah because God had a purpose for Jeremiah being alive. He had a plan for him, so no trouble. Nothing could destroy him because he's walking in the plan of God. Let's just apply this today. God has a plan for you. I want to establish that right now. He has a specific, unique plan for each and every one of you. And as long as you're walking in that plan and walking with Jesus, stuff may come against you. Fights are going to come. It's going to be hard, but nothing can destroy you because you're in the hand of God. I have a plan for you, Jeremiah. Nothing can hurt you. That's what God was establishing. It's like Jeremiah needed this continual reassurance. And how wonderful is it that we serve a God that just provides encouragement exactly when we need it? Just a reminder, I got a plan for you. There's a reason for all this. There is a purpose. You don't have to live your life without feeling purposeful or feeling like there's a meaning because God is what gives it meaning. Here's one point in the book of Jeremiah is that God's plan gives a human soul purpose. After God called Jeremiah, he endured incredible hardship, incredible hardship. His family turned their back on him. His own people tried to kill him. He was ostracized because he was the only prophet preaching about judgment. And there were hundreds of other prophets talking about how God is bringing peace and there's going to be no war and everybody's going to be wealthy. And, and, and he's the only prophet preaching about judgment. So he was, extreme, he was an extreme outcast. Nobody wanted to hear his message. So he was ostracized. And then he's kidnapped and taken to Egypt against his will because of what he's preaching. And then on top of all of that, he had to watch God utterly, uh, not utterly, but he had to watch God bring judgment on his own people. He was alive when they went into Babylonian captivity. God told him in chapter one, uh, or God gave him a vision. See, this this blows my mind because he was telling Jeremiah what is about to happen, right? Because God gives him a plan. But he gives Jeremiah this vision of an almond tree. And he asked Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah says, it's an almond tree blooming. And God says, I'm ready to accomplish my word. It was, a, it was, God was giving him a picture, like the almond tree is blooming, so it's ready to happen, like it's come to fruition. So he was telling Jeremiah, you're gonna live to see this judgment poured out. Who would wanna live through that? But Jeremiah had to. The weeping prophet. But all through that, Through it all, God's purpose allowed Jeremiah to endure to the end. That plan that God had gave Jeremiah purpose to endure through the dark and lonely times. He had no wife, no kids, and no friends. God told him, don't get married and don't have kids because I'm pouring judgment out. So he was utterly alone, and he had to deal with all of this. Of course he had God with him. But man, wickedness surrounding him, and yet he was able to endure. So let's, let's apply this to our life. This is the thing that God's really been talking, talking to, dealing specifically with me about, so I hope this is good for you. God has been showing me a different perspective when we talk about God's plan for our life. We're seeking, keep in mind, we're seeking for purpose in everything, and we always think, you know, there's got to be a reason for this. There's, and there is a reason. But there's a little bit different perspective, and, and this may challenge your thinking a little bit. I don't know. Pastor, you can reprimand me afterwards, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. It's in the Word, okay? Most of us can quote Jeremiah 29 11, right? Most of us can quote that. Let's read verses 10 through, uh, what do I have on here? Through 14, I think. Do I have 10 through 14 media team? Okay. For thus says the Lord, when this one actually, I'm sorry, I gave you all New King James, I'm actually an Amplified. I'm sorry. Um, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years of exile have been completed for Babylon, I will visit or inspect you and keep my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. This is the scripture we all know. For I know the plans and thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and well being and not for disaster, to give you a future. And a hope. Those are two very important words to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me, and I will hear your voice and I will listen to you. Then will a deep longing, with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity. And you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes, and I will free you and gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Whew. All right, let's talk about this for a little bit because here are some truths that you can find in this scripture. First off, I do want to establish God is, this is a promise to the children of Israel but the amazing thing about these promises in the Old Testament that are for Israel is there's there's so much truth that applies today. There's there's just, there, there's so much of this promise that still applies today. Number one, God does have a plan for everyone and everything. He does have a plan. That's what Sister Calhoun talked about. I think I would started that reference and I never finished it. But that was something Sister Calhoun alluded to in Spirit Life class this morning, is that Before there was anything, God was there. And we know even like before the world was formed, Scripture in the New Testament tells us that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before uh, he spoke anything into existence, he had a plan. He had uh, an end goal in mind because that's how God works, and Pastor talked about that. When God speaks, he's got a plan. He doesn't speak idle words over people. He's got a purpose. Everything he says has a purpose, and it changes something because that's the nature of the word of God. That's how he talks, right? Okay, but he has a plan for everything. God does not make mistakes. He doesn't need an eraser. He writes in pen all the time, right? He doesn't need an eraser. Every person that he has created has a plan on their life, and we're gonna talk about what that plan is in just a little bit. The second truth, God's plan does not lead to destruction. His plan does not lead to utter destruction because God doesn't work that way. Even in the Old Testament, when he's pouring out judgment all through the book of Jeremiah, you read that, and you're like, that's brutal, Lord, There's going to be this kingdom out of the north that's going to come destroy the city, carry everybody off into captivity. A lot of people are going to die. Even when you see all that judgment, all the judgment, God still says, but I'm going to leave a remnant. I'm going to leave something so my name will be glorified. I will leave something that can be restored into a a great and mighty nation, right? Because that's how God operates. So his plan, even if it's hard and it hurts and we lose so much, it never destroys a human. Never. Because his plan ultimately brings us closer to him. But it's that plan that gives purpose in a human's life. Okay, so I want to give you a quick example. Uh, This is from my Man Up trip, like years ago. I've probably talked about this a little bit, but this is really the this is a great real life example of the power of purpose. While we're hiking, Pastor was on this trip with me, so you'll remember this. Hopefully, you remember it. But when we were sitting uh, doing one of we were on a hike to Harney Peak, you remember this, right? We're on a hike to Harney Peak, and we're sitting at one of our like lesson location. So, you know, Brother Thompson is preaching, I believe it was Nate, um, and he's delivering the word, and he's talking about, you know, uh, purpose and vision and the plan that God has. And he stopped for a second and pointed to this little mountain peak, this little place. And you could see it like a tower on on that peak that looked like it was this big, right? We were so far away, it felt like. But he says, that's where we're going. Right, and knowing that, knowing that there's a plan and an end goal in mind and there's a destination that drives somebody to keep moving forward. There isn't this obscure goal that, you know, may or may not happen. No, that is where we're going. That's how God gives a plan, right? Like, we're going to this location. Here's the vision. This is where we're going. And just knowing that plan, that there is a future All right, get me. There's a future and a hope involved in the plan of God. The future, knowing that's where we're going, we're gonna get there at some point. And that hope, the hope of an end destination, the hope of rest in Jesus Christ. So when we know what the plan is, when God gives vision and says, this is where we're going, it creates purpose in a human, it creates purpose in a human and gives you that desire and that drive to continue to move forward because we still had a long hike in front of us. It was still going to take a while and I was tired (laughs) and there was elevation that we still had to climb, but knowing that is where we're going just drives this group of men through the pain, through the tiredness, through the exhaustion because we know where we're headed. That's important to understand because now we need to know what is God's plan for me. Has anybody ever asked themselves that? What is God's plan for me? This is the part that God challenged me on. Because I always, and don't get me wrong, God does have a unique plan for every single person. He's got a calling for everybody, right? He does. And there's, uh, we're gonna dive into that in a little bit, but he's got this unique calling, and the Bible says how he directs our path. We'll get to that in just a second. But really what he was challenging my mind on was what is God's plan, okay? Not just what am I supposed to do, but what is God's plan, okay? Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27. This is gonna make more sense in just a minute because scripture tells us what his plan is for our life. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses twenty-six, starting in verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's God's plan for our life. Hosea chapter two, verse 23 also says this, then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. God revealed his plan to us in scripture. All in the Old Testament. All the way through the New Testament. Because God's first priority in his plan is to restore the broken relationship between him and his creation. That is God's first priority in his plan for you. Is to restore your relationship with him. Because we know if we study the book of Genesis, God created mankind to be in a relationship with God and to worship him. That is the ultimate purpose of a human life, is to worship God and be in communion with him, to have a relationship with him. That is our purpose. So God has a plan because that relationship and that communion and that worship was severed when uh, sin entered the world. It created this gap between the human life and God. It created this gap between our soul and God. So he had a plan. He died on a cross. He laid in the grave for three days and he rose again on the third day, ultimately creating a way so that we can have communion with him again. He bridged the gap that sin created between us and God. So God's plan for you is to have a relationship with him. That is his number one priority because when we have a relationship with God, he gives us like what Jeremiah 29 says, a future and a hope. The future, we know that we'll have a future destined for glory and the hope is that we're going to be in heaven one day and we'll be with him forever. That is God's plan for you is he wants to dwell with you forever, forever worshiping him, forever living with him in in paradise in heaven. That is God's plan for you you that's what the hope and the future is this is the way God was challenging my thinking because I get I get really closed-minded I'm like God what am I supposed to do right now am I in your will right like we, we ask ourselves am I in your will God and this is what he was showing me the whole plan the whole point of this is to be with him forever that's what gives life meaning Because if you think about that, you have a future and a hope in heaven and in Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what happens in life. doesn't matter what happens on this earth. So much heartbreak, so much loss, so much pain can happen here. But when you're focused, when you have that vision, that's my end goal right there is to be in heaven. And you have that future and hope. You can make it through anything this life has to offer you. You can make it through anything. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and 39. I know a lot of us know this scripture, but this is God's plan for you. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, it wasn't just for them right there because verse 39 says, for this promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off as many as the Lord our God shall call. Remember in Hosea, God said, I will say to those people who were not my people, you're my people now. As many as our Lord will call, all that are afar off, we have now become the people of God. Mm. This is the only way to restore that relationship with Jesus right here. And this is God's plan for you. But beyond experiencing that, that initial promise and that restoration of the relationship, we still have the rest of our life. It doesn't just end at, at you know, repenting and being baptized in the name of Jesus and being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's just the beginning. That's the new birth, right? Now we're babies and we get to grow up walking with Jesus Christ. This is another thing that the Lord challenged me on. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You know, my mom used to say this scripture a lot. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And I think you guys gave the leadership team a gift of that scripture. And we have that hanging in our room. But Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This is what God was showing me is that after we've restored that relationship with God, he does still have a plan, a unique calling for every one of us because we find in Matthew 28, 19 that Jesus gives a command to the whole church and this again is God's plan to go teach and baptize, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of, uh, of the Father and Son and, and Holy Ghost, which we know is Jesus. That's God's plan. So he's got a unique calling on how he'll make that happen in your life, right? Because we all have different gifts. We know this, and uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians. We know that God gives gifts and, and that there's different gifts of the Spirit and, and people operate differently. And, and you know, some people I connect really well with given my personality, and other people you connect really well with, given your personality. So God has this specific calling, right? But this is what he was showing me, is that when we truly walk with him, when we trust him with everything, and we don't lean on the way way we perceive or the way we understand life, as we're walking through life, he will make his plan happen for you. We don't need to know every single step. We don't need to know the whole plan God has because our human mind can't even comprehend that anyways. But pastor, can you stand up real quick? I'm just gonna use you as an example because this is what God does in Proverbs chapter three and verse six when he directs your path. When you're walking with the Lord, your arm in arm. Let's just walk this way, pastor. All right, so this is the picture, right? We're walking arm in arm with God and he directs. He pulls us back on that path. He pulls us back to the plan that he's got for us. When we truly trust in him, that's what it's like walking in the plan of God because we'll start walking and we're walking with Jesus and all of a sudden, you know, our priorities get mixed up and God auto-corrects. Like, oh, no, no, get, get back on this plan. Get back on this plan, get back on this path. That's what it's like living in the plan of God. Let's do it one more time, pastor, because as we go through life, we know stuff distracts us. Right? We know priorities get mixed up and stuff, and God just just gently guides us back if we're really trusting in him if we're really living for him he just makes his plan happen in our life we don't even need to know everything we don't need to know the end from the beginning because God will guide you he will direct your path he'll take you where you're supposed to go that's what it's like living in purpose that purpose drives us forward and God continues to keep us on the right path yeah this is where you're supposed to go oh no don't go over there don't go stay right here and God will put things in your path and he'll he'll give you the gifts he equips you and he he does he does all the work not us he does all the work not us all we have to do is continue to walk with him continue to walk with him that's what purpose that's what living in purpose is like that's what having being full of purpose being purposeful in your life is like god is the only one who really gives purpose let's all stand real quick i'm gonna bring this to a close God's the only one who can really satisfy a soul. We we try to fill it with all kinds of stuff. We try to find purpose in in our careers and in in like our families and and all we try, possessions, whatever. We try to find a meaning for life and everything that we do, but God is really the only one who can satisfy the soul. But walking with the Lord gives us a future with Jesus. And a hope of eternal salvation. That's God's plan for you. I want to leave you with a scripture real quick. Is anybody helping with music? No, that's okay, Dean. It, you're good. I'm, the wheels are down and we're coming in fast, so just, that's all. Yeah, we're coming in hot. This is a scripture that I just want to leave you with Psalm 139. Verses 13 through 18. A lot of us know a good portion of this particular Psalm too, but let's meditate on it for a minute. Verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Our soul knows the works of God. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Before, I'll read verse 17, 18 in a second. I just want to take a minute here. This scripture is very similar to what God was telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's the way he told Jeremiah. But the way, uh, I believe David was the one who wrote Psalm 139, I could be wrong, but the psalmist is expressing that exact same thought, being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, all the days of my life. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Before I existed, this is what the psalmist is saying, before I existed, God had a plan. He wrote my whole life down in a book before I ever existed. Then verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. When I read that scripture, why on earth would a God like ours ever care what goes on in our We're so insignificant, yet God loves us. He created us, and he wants to dwell with us. He wants a relationship. It is so hard for my human mind to comprehend a love like that. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You know, let's lift our hands real quick. There's just one thing that I want to tell you right now. Jesus loves you more than you could ever fathom. He loves you deeper than you could ever understand. He loves you with an ultimate love that no other human being can show you. And he expresses that through his plan on your life. He has a plan to save our souls. To be with him for all of eternity. To have a future and a hope of heaven. To one day live with him forever. To worship him forever. To experience love forever. To experience joy forever. To experience peace forever. That is God's plan a hope of heaven, and to be in glory with him forever. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for showing us how much you truly love us. We don't deserve it, and we know it, God. We know we don't deserve your love, but you show it freely because you created us to have a relationship with you. You created us to worship you. God I'm so thankful that you made a way of salvation I'm so thankful that you made a way so that our souls can be saved and we can be with you forever I'm so thankful that we don't have to be eternally separated from you God thank you Jesus this altar's open right now if you want to come up and pray we step forward as just a sign of faith and receiving the word if you want to step forward and pray please do spend some time with Jesus today But I want to encourage you that God does have a plan for you. Your life matters. You are valuable to our Creator. In Jesus' name, thank you. Let's just spend some moments in prayer.